Welcome to episode number 24, Facing Fear. This is the Rotated Views Podcast with Jimmy Lee and the crew, giving you life from various perspectives. Welcome to our level. We hope you enjoy the views. All right, you are now tuned into the Rotated Views Podcast, episode number 24. Facing fear, I am your host, Jimmy Lee Velez. I'm here with Manny and Gabe. Uh, This episode, Facing Fear, we discuss our fears as kids and adults, dealing with fear in our children, and advice for overcoming fear. We wrap up the episode with quotes from Franklin D. Roosevelt and Charles Stanley. So, welcome to the new listeners and new subscribers Don't forget, every Tuesday morning we have a new episode released for your listening pleasure. If you're new, don't forget to download and subscribe so you don't miss anything. As I said before, our titles uh, go very close to what our content is. So if you just want to thumb through and pick a topic, uh, whatever mood that you're in that day, if not, they're labeled, they're numbered. Uh, We keep it very simple for you guys. Also, I want to thank you for tuning in. And uh, if you're new, we kick off our episodes uh, with a definition. And uh, today's topic is facing fear. So we're going to define fear from dictionary.com. They describe it or define it as a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc. Whether the threat is real or imagined, the feeling or condition of being afraid. Uh, what a fantastic definition there. I'm not sure if it's the best, but I appreciate that they put whether the threat is real or imagined. Yeah. It's very salient. We'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get into that. And uh, so uh, we will jump right in into our short story, but it's really an opinion from our guy Jerry Seinfeld on fear. And I grabbed this from uh, askmetafilter.com and uh, Jerry Seinfeld on fear. According to most studies, people's number one fear is public speaking. Number two is death. Death is number two. Now, hold on. I'm trying to give my best (laughs) Jerry Seinfeld impression. It's kind of funny. (laughs) Death is number two. Does that sound right? This means to the average person, if you go to a funeral, you're better off in the casket than doing the eulogy, uh, which is absolutely hilarious, but true. And then I, uh, I got a, a terrible joke lined up for us. <laughs> what do you call the fear of getting stuck in a chimney? Santa claustrophobia. Didn't. That's right. Didn't. We wow. have started on a bad note. <laughs> <laughs> on an awful joke and a terrible Jerry Seinfeld impersonation. And this... Is how we're gonna kick off facing fear. So is is that real though? Is is that like a study that he is he just making that up? Is he just blowing smoke or just or is that? I actually think that's an actual really. Yeah, I I don't know how old this was. I do I do remember it being a running joke that public speaking and death were neck and neck, literally for people's biggest fears. Really? Yeah, and which hence the reason why public speaking is a very lucrative business, um, because people don't want to do it. And uh, someone said it was that you're amongst your, um, a lot of times people are more scared to give, um, it's like the best man speech. They're more nervous about that than giving a presentation at work because, or it depends the one at work, 
because they're amongst the people who know them yeah. and know oh, yeah, their yeah, like yeah. innermost like yeah. secrets or whatever. Yeah. So they're already kind of like feeling, I don't know what the, I don't know, nervous about being judged yeah. because it's amongst the people who judge them most already. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're biggest critics amongst the biggest critics. So when they get up there, it's, they don't want to mess up because they know they're going to hear that for the rest of their lives. Like if right. you goof up in front of your family, yeah. that's going to be a running joke for the rest of your life. Whereas if you're in front of people you don't know, you're never going to see these guys anyway. Right. And at work, I, I would assume it's the same way. You're amongst your peers or your colleagues well, or whatever. around for eight hours a day. So of course you have. Yeah. But we talked about, um, I think the biggest thing with public speaking is preparation. Yeah. If... If you know, if you're prepared to give a, a speech on something, it was the, the question I proposed uh, to Heck. If I told you to give a, you know, an in-depth hour-long presentation on an illness or a disease that you know nothing about versus giving an hour-long presentation on your life story, which one are you going to feel more comfortable talking or have more content at, you know, at that? But the fear, the public speaking ones, um, I remember the first time, one of the first times I gave a, um, well, I, I didn't even give a speech. I was introducing someone, right? Gave <laughs> if you remember, it was like uh, we're at a business yeah. uh, meeting and I had to introduce the speaker and I stuttered like five times. And I, I don't, I was, it was the first time I did it. And the, what was sad, not sad, but kind of funny, it was that I was excited to do it. But then when I got there, I'm like, all right, well, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, because it was that, to me at that moment it was a privilege. Yeah. So I was like I was hyped. I'm like yeah, dude, this is gonna be awesome. And then I got up there and like my mind went blank. Like I literally like I stood up to talk, my body stood up and my like mind sat right back down. <laughs> That's like the famous uh, Jim Rohn quote. I did the same thing, but like I gave like two year old information when I did <laughs> when I introduced the person. I'm like everything went out the window. <laughs> I went back to like the very beginning. I'm like I don't know what the heck I'm even saying. I probably said it like. 10, 20 miles an hour. <laughs> and I'm sure nobody knew what the hell I was saying anyway. So. But they said, I mean, I, I've, I've studied public speaking. I mean, I have here uh, DVDs and CDs on public speaking and overcoming the fear of public speaking mm. and things like that and studied it. I, I was still trying to figure out why it's everyone's biggest fear, right? Like, or the majority of people's biggest mm. fear. And I was trying to figure this out because we, we all went to school with people who could just walk right up in front of the class and give a phenomenal speech yeah. and mm-hmm. without with zero preparation. Our buddy Vinny. Vinny, mm-hmm. this kid, you would give him like a flashcard of information and he would go up there and present it like if it was like he knew he was giving this speech for days. Like I mean, ele- super eloquently. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. I mean, beautiful. He was the best to be in like group projects and he had, mm-hmm. you know, present the information. We always just use Vinny. I mean, it was just... It was just how he 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 presented himself. It was yeah. it was amazing. He had such poise, just standing there. Oh, so in in these studies that I was going up, they said even like the professional public speakers still get nervous because they're kind of describing it as this is now it get it it changes now. It's not just giving a you know a speech to someone. Now this is what we paid you for. Yeah. So now there's a different becomes, kind of pressure. Becomes a whole different dynamic. Yeah, yeah. And so now it's like a performance thing. Mm. And uh, you can have performance issues. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and what they call stage fright is, is a real thing. That's actually what happened to me on a very small scale. But that's literally what happened to me. I went up hype as hell and just literally forgot what I was going to say. I forgot the dude's name who I was presenting mm. and then mispronounced the name when it came to me. So it was just super hilarious. 
for someone that you know for a long time and you forget their name. Like that's literally, I, I'm sure there's more better, you know, better instances of stage fright, but that was like a, a, a small percentage of what could happen. And uh, do you guys fear public speaking? Because I, I know me, I was, yeah, to some extent, like, yeah, I think I talked about this like a few episodes ago was like, yeah, I always hate being in front of like a big group, especially people I don't necessarily know, which is, I guess that would be, like you said, that's usually that, that's the easier version of it. Right. But like always high school, like um, not high school, like grade school was like, you have to give the oral book reports and all yeah. that stuff. And I was like terrified. Yeah. And I have time. I, well, early on, I wound up like crying in front of the class, which made it probably even worse. Like, <laughs> oh man. Wait, wait, wait. Here's that <laughs> what guy. you that guy crying about? Like just nerves. Just the, oh, nerves? Just, just the fear and like everything. Oh, just gotcha, like gotcha, being gotcha. in front of there. Like, yeah, I mean, cause yeah, yeah. I, like I saw, like I've talked about previous too, like obviously it didn't help with like being bullied and stuff in class too. So wait, well, how old were you then? Yeah, this is probably like Four fifth grades, something like that. Oh, okay. So it was like you know earlier. He said fourteen. <laughs> He's a yeah, I, was, I was graduating high school. <laughs> much had a beard. I definitely had a beard. Um, yeah. Well, for me, I, my fear of public speaking came from second. It was second grade. The same mm. thing. Um, I had a teacher um, that w- I wasn't fond of me for reasons that w- whatever. And uh, I, we had to give every month. She had a poem that we had mm. to memorize and then. Pres- recite the poem in front of the class yeah so it was a it was a they did it in different you know pockets of students it would be like three or four students a day and by the time we got through the month we all had done it and then we're on to memorizing the next one um so this was a christmas one and prior to that i wasn't even that bad i just was like oh man i might i might have fumbled on a couple things Mm. but memorizing something in public is different than actually giving a speech because giving giving a speech you're kind of going off the cuff or even if you're reading powerpoint slides it's easier than just like having no notes and then talking. That's totally yeah, you different. studied your information enough that you can kind of look at the information and still kind of, kind yeah. of modify as you go. Well, yeah, and it's also a crutch. I mean, when you're there just standing, you can literally get stage fright and not play it off. Yeah. If you had a PowerPoint slide, you can easily play it off by just staring at the screen and just reading. And then, exactly. and then it'll come back to you. Jogging your memory and everything. Right. So it was a Christmas poem that I annihilated, like at home. Like I memorized, 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 memorized. So I'm up in front you know, totally nervous. You could just, I felt that my palms are sweaty. I'm just like going back and forth and like, you know, something Christmas, whatever, 25 days of blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, dude, I'm just saying, but I wasn't saying it, quote unquote, loud enough for her. Okay. So she's yelling at this point. Mm-hmm. She's like, louder, speak up louder. We cannot hear you back here. So then I'm like, Da-da-da-da. so then I started getting nervous. Then I like fumbled. I'm like, uh, you didn't study, blah, blah, blah. And she's like just ridiculing uh. me in front of the class. So I just like sat there and I'm like, not sat there. I stood there and I'm like, dude, I know this. I know it. So I was saying, can I start over? Can I start? No, you can't start over. You messed up, blah, blah, blah. I mean, like just so, crushed yeah. me, right? So I just like sat back down. I'm like, all right. And I remember telling my mom, I'm, I was just mad. I didn't sit there and cry. I didn't do anything. I just remember being mad and I was embarrassed. Yeah. Um, I was embarrassed because, you know, you're in front of, you know, your friends or whatever. Exactly. So I went home and then obviously, you know, we dealt with it. But that that was it. That was, I was scarred for, I was scarred for life. Literally to this day, like I think about that being scolded in front of other people. Uh, makes me cringe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I would have, th- I would, I would think, I would, be, I guess the equivalent would be like, like I think of like the presidential debate, right? You're oh. up there and you have such a great idea, right? And you're presenting it like it's as you are trying to be the best presidential candidate that you can possibly be, yeah. and you come up with all these, you and you, you know, you and your, um, your team, you're in your camp. Yeah, yeah, you come up with this fantastic idea of how you're going to change the world or how you're going to change the United States. 
and you're presenting these ideas and then you get like this Q&A thing where they demolish you. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, whether they agree with you or not, they always give you like the, the opposite. Oh, yeah. And it could be the best policy ever presented in history. It's yeah. still going to get demolished because oh, it makes for good TV, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always think about that. I'm like, dude, how... And they prep day in and day out for this. I'm like, that is like a brutal... Uh, a brutal way to you know enter office but i mean i guess that's what it takes um but i always think of stuff like that i'm like that would be like oh, i guess like a fear of mine because they're you they're so confident like they, they know what they're talking about mm-hmm. well in their eyes they know what they're yeah. talking about whether you agree with it or not to them it's you know a belief at this point or even and like, they're just uh, i'll say a lot of those like uh, kind of along the same lines is like those those competition shows now is like whether it be cooking or whether it be like dancing and all that stuff, it's like they know what they having to do, but like the ju- you know, there's always one judge that always like belittles you for the most part. Well, I just saw like a, you know, the Chef Ramsay. Yes. I just saw a- like a meme with him where he had like two pieces of white bread and smushes up against this girl's ear and he says, What are you? She's like, I'm an idiot sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how do you come back from that, right? right. Like you're publicly humiliated, and you have to perform again. You have to cook right. the best. Uh, oh, I forget what it was. It was like uh, there was another one. We said, you know, someone. They asked them to make a, I guess it was beef and gravy or brisket and gravy, mm. and this dude made something that had nothing to do. With, he misheard what they said. Dude, I was I could not stop laughing. I don't know why I thought it was so funny, but this dude made nothing what they asked. To, you know to make it would be the equivalent like someone's like i want a slice of pizza and you bring them like scrambled eggs it was so <laughs> off that i was in tears but imagine like you have to you have, you have to bounce back from stuff like yeah. that yeah. imagine like the thought the strength that you have to build up just to come back strong and not even that you have to come back stronger right because mm-hmm. you have to kind yeah. of make up and compensate for yeah, that exactly that loss or that mental loss then you rate it based on everybody else and if you're not on the top level or whatever or what they always have like the you're the safe people yeah, then yeah, you yeah. Have, if you're in the bottom of threes you have to comp- usually compete against those people too to make sure you get back to the next round and it's a whole fiasco usually uh, it's a whole different ball game so all right so with that being you know public speaking fear hold on hold on let me talk Real quick, I'm sorry. I didn't say anything about public speaking. For me, I was never afraid of public speaking unless it was content I wasn't, you know, really familiar with. And I yeah. think that's everybody. Yeah. It's not the fear of, it's the fear of, of the judgment. It was never like, yeah. like talking in front of somebody is not difficult. It's the fear or the, and you're projecting what they're thinking. I'm yeah, good at projecting absolutely. like this guy thinks I'm a moron. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. he could not, he couldn't even be looking at me or thinking about me. He could be looking up in this way. I'm like, oh, I lost them. So yeah. as I'm speaking, you know, in, in college, you would speak to people and there's three people that are either looking at a phone or looking down at their paper looking or looking window. up. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, I didn't get their attention. And meanwhile, I'm projecting all these horrible things that they're talking about me. But in reality, five minutes later, nobody cares. Nobody really knows. But it was the fact that for those 10, 15 minutes, I felt like the biggest jerk or the like, just the dumbest person in the world. You're on point. display. So yeah, probably. right. So and it, it, it's not like you can't hide it from anybody. You know what I mean? You, you And you can tell because I judge when somebody's like, this guy has no idea. And I don't yeah, say anything, yeah, but in yeah, my yeah, mind, yeah, it's yeah. like, this guy got no idea. Like, he definitely did this. And I was always afraid of that. Right. Like, oh, they're going to see yeah. me in the cafeteria. And they're going to be like, man, that guy's a moron. This guy. And they're going to tell all their friends. Meanwhile, they forgot five minutes after the fact. But anytime it had to do with 
not knowing or being like totally foreign or I wasn't prepared is when the only time I was ever afraid. Insecure too. Absolutely. Huge insecurity. But like I did a school play. I wasn't nervous. The night before I forgot. I had had stage fright the night before the actual school play, the opening of it. Yeah. I forgot whole like um, just whole scenes. <laughs> whole, like I got up there and, and somebody's like, you know, and this, this and that. And I was just like. And yeah. I looked at the producer, and then it was just the the look. And I looked at the the producer, the director, and he was like, "Yeah, well, we're in trouble, guys. We're in trouble." And I <laughs> remember thinking to myself, "Oh my god, like what what's gonna happen when the lights turn on when yeah. it matters?" Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank God I remembered them all. Yeah. It just came second nature. But um, I don't know. It's funny when the lights came on; it was actually kind of all went away. But yeah. if if I had no idea or in in school with no public speaking forget about it it was i wasn't nervous i was just afraid to look like just a dummy you know what yeah. i mean i don't even know if that's the same thing as stage fright but i don't know that was that was I, I just think me that's more the the basis of it is like the fear of the reactions to whatever you're saying or right. just the, the fact that you're up there and we we have a deep desire to make connection with our oh, fellow man yeah, yeah so when we're not making that connection where you say someone's like texting someone else or like looking away, like, oh gosh, I have poor engagement here. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Am and I not loud you, enough? Yeah, I mean, all you ever... <laughs> <laughs> well, you... that's And you get distracted from what you're yeah. actually supposed to be doing and it's really supposed to just deliver the speech. Sure. Um, yes, it is nice to get full-on engagement um, and it's nice to have the crowd captivated as to what you're saying. Right. And, uh, you know, there's techniques and stuff like that. When sometimes people are talking, you hear them snap uh, or project their voice in different ways or just start yelling in the middle of a speech. And it's it's all uh, strategic yeah. to, you know, connect back with the human. But um, that's when you start getting like a professional level or just but it is funny as anything because you there is a point where you're so insecure that you're making up. You're making up ideas or, or solutions or whatever it is why that person is not uh, uh, listening to you or, you, or they're distracted. Right. And then you, you find yourself trying to compensate and maybe I need to say something funny, blah, blah, blah. That literally is what fear is. Fear is not reality. No, fear no. is just a perceived, made up thought that could happen. Not saying that it won't happen. It's just a possibility that it could happen, but it's still at the yeah. same time, it's not real. That's almost like the future's not real. It's yeah. not there. All you have is past and present. Yeah. What? Who was the? Who's the crazy actor? I don't know if it's Nick Nolte or who it was that uh, fear. Uh, it's false evidence appearing real. Yeah. Dude, he blew my mind the first time he said it. Meanwhile, his hair was all over the place. And I'm like, he's got a whack job. But when he said that, I was like, man, that is, that is a real. And I don't know yeah. if that was the actual. I'm like, man, I was still looking at Webster's. Like, is that what it is? Is that what, is that what it really means? I think he just made an acronym out of it. He just made an acronym out of it, and it was like, oh, that, that's absolutely totally true. appropriate. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that. I feel like that's that that nails it. it. It really it's just made up. Like we just make this stuff up. Yeah, it's it's irrational. I mean, right? Because if you actually were able to get the opinion of everyone who's listening to what you're saying, probably haven't even paid nothing to, to do with what you thought they were thinking, right? So, all right. So that being said, let's jump into uh, the first segment, and that is what was your biggest fear as a kid, as a little child. Little child, youngster. I, I mine wasn't as a, what would you consider little? It was like just younger, I'm just... seven, eight, right? Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember the movie? All right, do you remember HBO in the day? Like they give you a preview of a movie, so the movie was off to the left, and things were happening. Like they were previewing the movie, and then it was um, 
then he'd give you the title and he'd give you like when it was going to play. Mm-hmm. So my, I watched it one time. It came out in movies and it was uh, Fire in the Sky. Remember that movie? It was an alien movie based on a true story. I don't based remember. on a true story, right? <laughs> so I remember seeing this one time. Uh, and if you look up Fire in the Sky, one of it was the light coming down and you know it lifting the guy up like they were abducting him. Oh, uh, okay. So I remember thinking like, dang, like, wow. And then at the end of it, the first time I saw it, it said, based on a true story. What's true? Who knows? But when it said that, I was like, it's real. It's <laughs> yeah. real. So I remember it coming out in the movies, and then a couple months later, it came out on HBO. I was deathly afraid. They were there were months where I didn't sleep. Like I would turn, I would sleep with the light on. I would I would do things like I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I, I watched it one time before uh, before I went to bed. I caught the preview of it, and I was so mad at myself. And it was one of those things where like I don't. It's almost like a car crash. Like. You don't want to look at it, but I continued to look at it, and I watched, and I saw yeah. the guy being abducted. It came on one time at 8 o'clock. I watched like 40 minutes of it, and um, the guy was apparently on a table, yeah. right? And they were going to like, you know, cut him, figure out, you know, some was like biology class yeah. for, for the aliens. Lost it. That night, I woke up. I checked underneath my bed. I checked my whole second floor. I was up at 4 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what it was, but I was underneath my bed lifting. I was lifting my bed. I was checking uh, my my uh, whatever stuffed animals I had. I went to my brother's room looking out the window. So there was one light, like the telephone pole. I'm like, oh, there's a light. And the light was like the same color. I freaking <laughs> lost my cookies. Between Chucky, uh, Fire in the Sky. Oh, man. Oh, my mom had the porcelain dolls. The porcelain uh, dolls, everybody's remembered it. They would sit there and they look so it real. It was always creepy. Yeah, and there was always movies that like had like a weird wooden or porcelain doll that would get up or do something. Ugh. Deathly afraid of them. To de- like I would run up the stairs. You ever played a game? As soon as you hit like the light and it like flick, you know, turned off, you'd go right up the stairs. Ah, uh, I mean, your parents would yell at you. Go, Mommy! <laughs> I was like, Well, Mom, I'm, I'm why'd you do it? Yeah. <laughs> so that was my biggest fear was. One being abducted by aliens and like you know the dolls walking around and like just scaring the hell. The my buddy doll, remember my buddy doll? Yeah, yeah. My brother oh, had it in his room. I had one too. Uh, yeah. That first of all, it looked at me, so I slept this way, and my brothers, my brother and I's uh, doors were across from each other. Well, it sat up on like um, I don't want to say an, an an ottoman, and there was a light that used to come in, and he used to open it. And I remember waking up one time, and all you saw was the face, and I remember looking at the face, and it. Sp- Spooked the hell out of me. It was all around the same time. Like, it was like a two-year period where all this was, like, freaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the monster thing was, like, huge. And I was, like, eight years old. I was kind of, like, that's kind of oldish, like, to be afraid of monsters. My daughter's three, and she asked me about, monsters not real, right, Dad? I'm like, no. Meanwhile, I had a mustache when I was eight years old. That was was freaking ridiculous. But, yeah, that was my biggest fear. Fire in the sky. Yeah, but weren't you, didn't you always also fear, like, uh, you you had a... uh uh like a thought that when you went to the zoo that the animals were oh that was when i was five i used to throw up everywhere so i was super nervous as a kid like the circus <laughs> i thought the circus was every everybody would like i don't know the clowns were out the elephants were walking around it was just like one big free-for-all so i remember going to the, the that's the, a carnival <laughs> yeah right exactly so I, we went to barnum and bailey so as soon as i went in there i got to Got to the parking lot, I puked all over the side of my uncle's car. Yeah. Red red orange juice, I'll never forget. I just puked because I thought that that's what would happen. Same with the same with the zoo. I thought we would just walk around with lions and stuff. I was like four or five years old and I 
I puked like, there Not too. realizing it's caged in. He it's just caged goes there just right. walking just amongst us. Yeah. yeah. She just kept telling my, my mom, it's just animals. It's such a good thought though. Like, I mean, you're thinking, but that is, it really is funny. Yeah. Well, he didn't explain it to me. I must have been really literal as a kid. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you remember Chihuahua? Yeah. Shika. Yeah. And I thought it was a rat. I lost my cookies. Heck, still to this day, they break my stones about that. <laughs> it, I mean, she was that big, right? And I, I was just deathly afraid. Oh, you know, the funny thing is my son's afraid of everything right now. Yeah. I get so mad at him. Yeah. And my mom looks at me. <laughs> yeah. I wonder where he gets it from. <laughs> so I have to be mindful that, you know, it's a whole maturing process. But those were the real big things of being abducted by aliens. I had crazy ants. They used to tell a lot of stories, too, so. That's funny. I I do I do remember. I don't know when it started. Kind of like what you were saying. Um, I was always feared ba- like basements. Mm. Not basements when you're. I was in them. Right. It was basements when I had to shut the lights off. Yeah. <laughs> um, because there are certain basements that just had the uh like the top plank of the actual step, and then you know when it went up whatever it is six to twelve inches, that was cut out. Oh, so yeah. it's just like the plank part oh, where yeah. you actually oh, step yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like the open spaces in between. That's what freaked me out. Like someone was yeah. just gonna grab, grab you know, me. grab my ankles. I don't know if I saw it like on a. Oh, it had to be a movie. Yeah, movie or something. Absolutely. People but under the stairs. Dude, I would go run because when I was a kid, I would, I would, we had a, I had a, our play area was in our basement. Yeah. So I was never scared of basements themselves. Mm. It was just when I had to uh, shut the light off. Mom, you know. Your light. Where was your light? It wasn't a switch, right? You had to go was, down and like click it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like at the bottom. At the bottom, yeah. Right, right, right. And we had to then run all the way up because the the light at at the top of the steps was just for that, right where you were standing. Right. Yeah. So what what happened was I was you know playing. So our basement was split in two, right at the you know the steps split the basement. So the steps were like in the middle of the house. Mm. So to the left, if you went down the steps, to the left was our play area. So I was you know all kinds of toys or whatever. And then to the right, it was. Like, where my mom would do laundry at. So she would be down there with me, but then like, all right, Jim, come on, we're going up. I'm like, no, I don't want to go up. She's like, all right, well, you got a half hour. And when you come up, you got to take a shower and everything. But when you come up, you have to turn the lights off because I'm going to be, I'm going to be upstairs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was playing around. Like I said, wasn't scared to be down there by myself. Mm. It was as soon as I hit that light, dude. Oh, yeah. I got the chills. I was running out watery eyes. Dude. <laughs> Oh, it was a disaster. Yeah, I don't know what there. it was. And well, that's just something about the dark, too. It just makes everything look completely different. Yeah, you just start playing, you know, games. And the mind and, tricks. And oh, man. I mean, that's what people say. It's like, um, you know, like going for like jogs or walks like at night. And you see and hear things. You're mm-hmm. like, everything seems so much more sketchy at night. Mm-hmm. Which some people have reasonable, you know, right. Right. Uh, reasons to be that way. But well, yeah. everything <laughs> do- just seems like... Uh, I, I remember like a like a Rugrats episode. Wow, Rugrats, uh, where Chucky kept looking out in the window and thought you know like a ghost was out there like waving his arms like, Ooh, and it was really just the sound was coming from the wind and it was a tree branch you know. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff that we make up. And oh, it's literally yeah, the you know a perfect definition of fear. Like we just make up these things. I'm very curious to know, um, what 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 what, what, what did you fear? Well, I was kind of. It was kind of long, like like monster type stuff. Because I remember there was one time it was I don't know what year it was, but the we won the I think I was at my aunt's house in Virginia. We always went over there like at least once a year or whatever. And the movie Candyman. 
Oh yeah. gosh. Yeah, yeah. And my my cousin, she loved horror movies, so we always wound up watching like you know like Freddy and stuff like that. And we obviously watched Candyman, and like so after that it was like obviously it's the whole thing in the mirror and all you know standing through time blah blah. So then after that, I had to go take a shower, and in the bathroom is a huge behind mirror, and I was like horrified to go in the bathroom. Oh I, I was fine during the movie, but then like when it came in like realization of like what I just watched and everything just like went berserk i was like oh i just like lost it like <laughs> my mom had to like go in the bath at least sit in the toilet while i took a shower because like, i couldn't be in the bathroom alone at that point oh man yeah you were like scarred i was like well at least for temporarily for that time that's what made me think but like there's even stuff like like you said like um like you, when you like turn off the light and you like run into your bedroom and just like i used to like just get under the covers and stuff yeah. like that for like while and stuff after that but um the, the one thing like i guess it's like a funny thing when i was like super young was the, um it wasn't like a long term thing, but I remember the, I think it was the first time I ever went to like Chuck E. Jesus. Uh-huh. Those animatronic things scared the living no. daylights heck, out of me. Heck is still scared yeah. of them. Yeah, I remember I, the only thing I remember was hiding under like it was my mom or my dad. Like I was just like sobbing the entire time, eating pizza or whatever it was. <laughs> eating pizza, yeah. crying. <laughs> they they weren't they they were ugly, man. They and still they, are, and they blinked really weird and they moved yeah. very awkwardly. Very they were like very mechanical, yeah. Yeah, like, that's what like the whole Five Nights at Freddy things come from, anyways. Like that weird, creepy animatronic yeah, animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I still got to go back, dude. You referenced the Rugrats. You yeah. really that some deep, profound fear thought, and he was like, "You remember Chucky Finster? That was me. Remember Chucky Finster? <laughs> Chucky Finster? The funny thing is, I remember that episode. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I think another thing was, and I think this is kids being like out of curiosity and just being, you know knuckleheads and whatever i remember you know people just make see now there's a difference too we're talking like ghost and stuff there there is i i feel like there's a difference um but you know like every time we would pass by by our house in bristol like a block and a half up was a graveyard so you know kids are dumb they say all these like rant- i don't even remember specifically what the stories that oh, are being told stories, oh yeah. if you pass by you know by oh, yeah. eight o'clock there's a creepy old man sitting on this rocker just waiting to grab you and take you down to the underworld or whatever. Yeah. And we're like, oh my gosh. And one time I was, I was leaving. Well, first of all, yeah, we're like nine, eight, nine years old so you, or whatever. You like, anything. It's like, call my mom, like, mom, I'm leaving, you know, Chris's house. We're going back. Literally a block away. Like, all right, Mikey's coming to get you. And I'm with my older brother and still completely, because we had to pass by this right. stupid graveyard, um, which meant absolutely nothing, but, you know. Same thing with, uh, you know, just a bunch of stupid, like, oh, that house is haunted or that yeah. room is haunted. Don't pass by. Don't even look in it. Don't open it in here. It's like, you know, my buddy's like storage room. They just kept boxes and yeah. stuff in there. <laughs> but he, his older brother made this stuff up. So I'm like, we believed it. So the ghost thing's always like weird though. Yeah. So is there something that you still fear now or is, do you guys have a different kind of fear for stuff? More realistic. I don't know if it's realistic, but I mean, it's just adult, like hypothetical, like, you know, failure type stuff. But I mean, like, I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the always things like you always, like, oh, I think I talked about before is like, just like, you always think like, you want to always live up to expectations and like, yeah. And that's, that's always like a a struggle of like going forward that and like, you know, knowing the obviously stuff's going to happen no matter what, but you know, it's taking the realistic view of it as opposed to the irrational version of it. Yeah. yeah, and I, I, I mean, for me, it's kind of the same way. I mean, you, we have all these ideas of, you know, what life could be. Yeah. Um, and it's always imagined as something better. Yeah. Most of the time. Um, and so, 
when when you imagine it, the other thing that we tend to do as humans is squeeze that level of life of what we think is actual happiness and mm. and and rush it, and then that puts a pressure on you on yourself that you didn't even realize you added this pressure, and all of a sudden when you don't reach it, it's just this false expectation, then yeah. you're just led right into frustration. And we had talked about this before, but then you're like, am I not going to be what I thought I was going to be? And then you start questioning everything yeah. and you start like second, second guessing yes. everything. And then you're very uncertain, not only about yourself, but just about life in general. Yeah. And then you start to question, you know, like, well, how, how, how is someone else doing it? How, uh, not realizing everyone has their own path, has their own way of attaining, uh, you know, their achievements. Mm -hmm. But I would say that's my biggest thing is having is meeting the expectations, yes. whether they're of from someone else or from my me is yeah. really the biggest hey. one is not being what I want it, not becoming what I want to be. And kind of going back to like what Manny was saying, like, you know, just the not it's not the fear of like being in front of people, but the, fact, the expectations of what you what you're putting out there. Like if that's you're living up to that that part portion of it. Yeah. No matter what people think about you or what you think about yourself, like you're still just like living up to that, that what you what you're trying to be i guess yeah and and it's it's just i don't i don't want to leave earth disappointed in myself just and that's that to me that's just sad it was like oh okay so it didn't and at the same time some people say well that's dumb you know like you just here doing your thing or whatever yeah. and as, as long as you're trying blah 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 and but it's, easy. I, I, it's easier said than done exactly yeah exactly so but okay so then when nothing happens and on the same token there are people who you know would say you didn't really do much with your life or you're a loser or whatever. So you have like these kind of like thoughts, all, all this stuff is just kind of going on in your head. And, and you think the, the weird part is I think we believe it's better. If we had those things or achieved those things, I think the problem is that we think it's better. Yeah. And because it's like the fear of missing out, like, yeah. I don't get to experience that if it wasn't, you know, if I don't get it or whatever, achieve it. I don't know, and and it really is. I think that is the basis of fear. I mean, it's just unknown. It's not real. It's yeah. made up. And then there's just you know this book called you know Happy Discontent, which I truly believe in. I believe we should be happy for what we have, grateful for what we have, what we're living for. But then discontent in a sense that you should have a little type of appetite or hunger for, and a much you know an improved. You know, sorry, I'll, always, yeah, absolutely always striving to do better or make yourself better in some form or another yeah it's i mean it, it's 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 tough too when you put higher expectations on yourself right sure. I, I put very high expectations to myself so i'm like wondering is this ever really going to happen yeah. do i really believe that and then we're like i believe it and then all of a sudden it's taking longer and you're like i don't know should i change gears but then w what i like about life is that you have enough examples around you to not ever give up. Yeah. There's always people who have it better, always people who have it worse, blah, blah, blah. But then there's people who've done it early in life. What whatever success was to them, achieve their goals. Early in life, in the middle of life, later in life. I just as long as I'm at the in the pursuit of attaining, you know, my goals and go, whatever the goals are, because they're constantly changing, then I I would be happy. I'm happy. I got over that oh, if I die without doing this, I'm you know, I'm screwed. That, that's a disappointing life to me. I no longer think that way. My yeah. thing now is as long as I'm in the pursuit, I'm I'm very happy with that. So what, what do you fear, man, now? Um, along those lines, talking, I mean, besides, God forbid, something happening to my kids or my wife. I mean, that's always a, a fear, but that's kind of out of my hands. What's meant to be is yeah. meant to be. 
But what scares me is what I do have control over. So, you know, putting forth the effort. Same thing. It's not even for me not meeting expectations. It's knowing I have to do something and allowing the procrastination or the laziness or the the inability to kind of build up a certain amount of toughness just to get something done. So at work, things linger. You know, with something that should have took a week is taking a month. Or that that scares me because all of that kind of builds and compounds on on, on each other, and then the pressure becomes too much. It becomes it just and when it becomes yeah, yeah yeah, it's almost you know something that starts off as a small task becomes this insurmountable what what you perceive to be this insurmountable mountain where you're just like how am I ever gonna get there? Yeah. So and and I'm at that point right now you know with work and home where it's just it's a whole bunch of little things. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, my fear is not being tough enough to do it. And I say tough enough is because I always tell my kid to, you know, be tougher. You got to get it done. But And it's not, you know, being able to provide that type of example. That scares me. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. all I'm doing is I say do this. You know, your, your, your words say this, but your actions say another. Right. And it's easier to follow action than it is to follow the words he's saying. Yeah. You can Absolutely. talk all day long, but if you're if you're not doing it, they'll never follow. So, you know that all just kind of hit me while you guys were talking. It's like the expectation. And I'm like, man, expectation. I'm, I think my biggest thing is is being a hypocrite. If I'm thinking about yeah. it, and and happen and passing down that hypocrisy to my kids mm. because all that. I mean, it's generational, right? It's cyclical. We talk about it as something that we're given, give our kids. Am I setting the right example? for them to then set you know set for generations forward so kind of starts and ends with me yeah i mean it's it's that it's that like you said setting the bar setting the example mm-hmm. pro- providing a certain type of life too yeah, right. um and i'm not even talking about like financial or whatever it's right. just the example that you're given kind of what you're saying is you know being a hypocrite uh it's, it's the old the old saying where what you're doing speaks so loud, I can't hear what, what you're saying. saying. Right. So they're just gonna follow the actions. It's kind of like there's nothing worse than hearing someone, you know, talk about something that they're not very good at, sure. or have no experience in, and they're giving advice. Yeah. Unsolicited advice is even on top. That's probably the worst of it all. It's just a brutal. It's cringeworthy just listening to stuff like that. And I just don't want to ever be that. So maybe once in a while I'll catch myself and whatever but um but yeah i think it's it's kind of goes along with that whole family thing it's like i want to make sure that i'm setting the right example but i feel like also i don't want to be that person that was always in the pursuit you know what i'm saying so i made so that's when i kind of started to change my goals and started seeing what success was to me personally and how i defined it and i totally changed it and i'm very satisfied now mm. I still look searching daily for more fulfillment and kind of catching. It's like in the, the stock trading world, they call it, you know, um, locking in your gains. So make sure you lock in your gains. So you're not, you know, if the stock were to drop, you don't lose everything. Mm-hmm. So at least as, as long as the stock's going up, lock in gains. It's kind of, it's kind of like that with, you know, the pursuit of hitting your life goals. So it's like, Oh, let's just say you have a really big uh, example. Like let's just use my brother, Miguel, where you know one day he eventually wants to open up like a like a program or a training school mm. or something for cutting hair or really being a barber, and then years have passed by ten plus fifteen years since he has first aid and it hasn't happened. Mm. He can just be completely disappointed, 
Or you can say like, okay, I'm working my way up there by entering into competitions and going to mm. different schools myself and understanding what that's actually going to take mm-hmm. and seeing those as, you know, your, you know, overall goal. So that's how I change is doing like as, little, as, as steps towards that, exactly. that overall goal as opposed to just the final goal when you're not really, I guess, kind of lost in the, the mix of it or just trying to try for that final thing and not really achieving that. Yeah. Through this process, I'm becoming the person I need to be to then attain that, yeah. right? That was what he was saying. The word potential came to me. Mm. It's like, I don't want to live life without actually realizing my true potential. But as long as I'm hacking away every single day, I'm not, you know, I got over that thing of being Mm. disappointed in myself. It's just seeing like the gifts that we were given at birth and not actually using them. Yeah. Is like, am I just wasting not only my time, am I wasting, you know, my kids or family's time I'm wasting God's time yeah. this am I just a waste um so then it's just not seeing that true potential realized but n- no here's the killer knowing that you're not doing it and but, you're, but you're trying to play it off like oh, I'm a hard-working guy yeah. like I'm doing everything I'm providing for my family but in the back of your mind there's that yeah. little goal whatever that whatever that thing was it still t- it will tick at you forever. And they, they just don't, you don't even want to go out like that. And that's, I think that's the fear, you know, that's getting to, to kind of the root of what I'm talking about. Like in the back that, of my mind, that voice did I get, over. did I really give it hell? Yeah. Did I do everything I could? And you can always, I mean, you can always say you did more, but did you leave it out? You know, did you leave it all on the field? Like at only, work? Only you only, know only, only you know that. So yeah. it, it's an internal conflict you fight with yourself. So. That that one to me, that's the biggest one. Is like, man, did did I leave it all in the field? Right. And I can answer that question honestly, and probably say, you know, seventy five percent of the time, I'm like, oh man, that last hour I could have done, or I should have did, or I did I need to do that TV? Now is that being, you know, some people probably might look at it as that's ah, too much, but you know, you're being too hard on yourself. Well, well, relax, you know, you got a lot of time left. But it's like, meh. You're only here for so long, man. Yeah. You know, right now, I'm speaking career-wise, this is the prime. You're, you're building up some experience, but you still have enough youth like to go out and grind and go get it. Because by the yeah. time, not for everybody, by the time I, I assume you're 50-some years old, that's when people kind of start to hit the wall. Mm. And that young fervor that you had as a kid and that, you know, your get-up-and-go got sure. up and went around that time. Sure. So this is kind of the sweet spot for... For anybody, I guess, our age and your late 20s, early 30s, you know, if you want to move up the chain, this is kind of when you you got to kind of make the move and kind of set yourself up. Not that you can't do it in the future, but... Yeah, it's a sweet spot. Yeah, it's the prime time. This is when it it happens. Yeah, you're sharp, you're energetic, uh, for the most part anyway. Right. And you're you're putting... One thing that I learned uh, is always trying to stack the odds in your favor at all times no matter what you're doing i mean my brother started laughing at me when i said specifically i want to leave at you know we're headed down to the shores and i want to leave at 10 30 he's like where in the world did you get 10 30 because we said we're leaving in the morning he's he i guess assumed like eight nine o'clock in the morning he's like what look like, well the morning traffic kind of dying out and we're just gonna beat out the lunch traffic da, 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 da. and he's like yeah i guess that kind of makes sense it's like dude you gotta understand we're gonna be in a car with kids uh, people want to use the bathrooms. I mean, you want to get there as fast as you can legally. So go on the speed limit. Plus yeah. you got your family, whatever. You don't want to be do- being a knucklehead just trying to get there. So if I'm going to be doing the speed limit and getting there within a reasonable time, I want to leave at the most ideal, you know, time to leave and get there uh, in the most efficient way. 
I said, and I told him, I literally texted this to him. I said, you want to, dude, you always want to stack the odds in your favor, even if it's just traveling down to the shore. Hmm. And then he said, he's like, dude, you said that, and that thing, oh, that always, like, that just, like, stuck with me. He's like, now I just keep thinking about it. Because it's true. You want to go through life, not at the end of it saying, man, look at all that time I wasted. Mm-hmm. Right? Look at all the, just how inefficient I was. And he said, the people who, who, like in the stock market right now, I'm like really into studying the stock market. And they say the people who get ran over are educationally inefficient uh-huh. and, and informational inefficient. Inefficient and information wise. Just, just like, just think of those two things. It's not that you're not, so you could have the right information, but then educate, the education part comes in when applying it in the right way. Right. Uh, you can have the perfect education means means you have the strategy and, and you you can execute it, but then you don't have the right information. So you can be executing the wrong information mm-hmm. the wrong way mm-hmm. and you get ran over. Um, so I think of that and everything we talk about is being efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, it, it still still goes back to facing fear is just as long as I'm actually trying. And, and it's kind of like what you were saying, Manny, trying with fervor like trying with right. like a legit effort mm-hmm. which i know i am um and i genuinely know i am uh and because i have tested the waters i've literally been burnt out i've been peeled off my laptop at three o'clock in the morning and told to go go upstairs go to sleep this is getting this is getting out of control mm. i've been nauseated from waking up from not having enough sleep so i'm finding barriers of i know how to push my limits i'm pushing them right so in my mind, to me, that's satisfying for me. Um, other people have whatever criteria they base that off of. And as long as I'm doing that, that's what I'm saying. It's satisfying. Hmm. So at this point, I'm now doing all the right things for me to attain the stuff that I want and the goals that I want. And if it's not coming, it's just a matter of time. Hmm. It has nothing to do with my effort. Yes, I could possibly be doing stuff the wrong way, but I'm chipping away and I'm I'm purpose. I'm on I'm living life on purpose. Not just oh here goes Monday. Oh here goes blah 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 cuz like how mm. you had said before, you don't know when your last day is. Right. So I don't fear that in a way where it's like oh I hope I don't I just want to achieve certain things before I die. And that's why I just want to get to them. And um whether it happens or not is, you know, I'm doing my part. As long as I'm doing my part, I'm good. Hmm. And I feel like that's how you maintain your sanity. Yeah. You have to live a balanced life. It's not all about just pumbling yourself through life. Like, just, I'm working, I'm working out. I'm, I'm studying, I'm doing this. I'm the best dad. I'm the best husband. I'm the best brother. I'm the, it's like, dude, you will, you're going to be, there's going to be an imbalance and it's all about the equilibrium. It's always finding the balance. I know I keep going back to stocks. That's just what I'm studying right now. So the stocks go up and down, up and down. They're always trying to find it's like, you know, they're trying to find the middle ground. What what What's the average? That's what it keeps going back for. That's why it goes up, it goes down. Boom, it's going up like that. Um, that's how we are in life. You yeah. just got to find the proper balance or whatever. So, I mean, I, I to me, that's just my advice to anyone out there seeking, trying to, you know, that fear that what I was saying earlier, kind of what everyone here is really alluding to is the fear of not becoming who you want it to be or want to be. As long as you're doing your part every single day, it it's out of, you can only do what you can do, right? Mm-hmm. Everything That's else right. is going to line up. Um, fate is going to get in the mix or whatever. 
Some people say luck. Some people say, you know, it's just the law of attraction. It's what you did. Mm. Whatever your belief is, that, that's for you to decide. Right. I have mine, but it's, it is an individual experience. And we're here for a limited time. We're spirits captured inside of a meat suit. That's all this is. Beyond that, it, 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 we're literally trapped inside this. That's why, that's why we're always so... You ever realize it's like, why are humans so the most uncomfortable specimens on earth? Everything else lives so naturally in its own environment. You don't see an alligator struggling in life to get through, oh, it's Monday. Oh, goodness. It's No, only human beings do that stuff. Unless we're the ones probably messing it up for them. So you want to see a distressed animal, it's because we messed it up for them. Mm-hmm. We're taking over their environment and stuff like that. Pigs are happy as anything in mud. They're dirty as a... They're, we're, the, we're the knuckleheads that are... We're so uncomfortable. It's because it's we're, we have spirits. We're not... This is just temporary. This is not the whole thing. So who, if you're out there stressing out, relax. It, the, the game keeps going. But um, but that being said, is there something that your kids, Manny, you, you say they're fear and CJ's kind of like whatever? Uh, at, right now, it's just the monster phase. Everything yeah. is a monster. Like to the point where... You know, they turn on. Everybody did this as a kid. He's in the bathroom. He'll walk to CJ. Turn the light off. He'll walk to his room. Turn his light on. Walk back to the bathroom. Turn the light <laughs> off. You know, everybody's done it. Go <laughs> yeah. to your sister's room. Okay. He'll walk to his sister's room. Turn her light on. Walk to his room. Turn his light off. That way, there's that way. There's always constantly light. You yeah, know, yeah, there yeah. he's never in darkness. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing. Sleeping in sleeping in your own room and. You know, all, all that nonsense. That's the big thing. And my daughter said it today. She's like, Dad, there's no monsters, right, Dad? Right? No monsters, right, Dad? Yeah. They don't live here. They live in their own house, right? I was like, yeah, they <laughs> they live in their own house. <laughs> you know, because kids, kids tell tell stories. My son was told a story like a couple years ago about the, the man uh, who, who like takes kids or murders kids. And he was he was like four or five years old. It freaked him out legitimately for like a week to the point where he was like bawling before he went to sleep because he didn't want the man to get him. Oh man! I was like, "Shit, this is a that's a that's a story, bud. That's a, that's a story." Uh, no, it's not. But he had it in his brain that it was real. So monsters and all that kind of craziness is is right now. That's what they fear. Besides that, they are in la la land, man. Yeah, they fear nothing else. That yeah, I mean, whatever. my kids, my kids too young for that. But just say, just saying that when I was about CJ's age. Um, I was sleeping and, uh, I got up to use the bathroom and, uh, all I heard, like I heard downstairs like boom, 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 with this big ruckus. I'm like, what the heck? So I go, I run into my parents' room. They're both sleeping. I go into Mikey's room. He's sleeping. I go back to my room. Me and heck, he's a share room. He's in his bed. I'm like, mom, I just started yelling. Someone broke into our house. Whatever. I start running down, dude. We go downstairs. She's like, there's no one here. All the doors are open. We would have heard something. I'm like, I heard I heard it. They're downstairs moving the pots around. I heard it. it. has to be something like that. We go in, and she opens up the like one of the cabinets underneath. So I don't know if other people do this, but we stacked our yeah. pots wow. all on top of each other. You know, yeah. accord, size, according to size, so they got high. So I guess someone must have just like tossed the last one in there. It got top heavy, and it literally it did fall. So that's what it was. And I knew that's what it was. But for months after that, I, dude, I was like sleep, like make sure I didn't hear nothing. Mm. It, had, it had to be had complete to be silence for me to finally go to sleep. And it was just made up. It was, like, yeah, you heard the sound, but 
it was nothing. I associated with someone broke into our house. That's the reason I sleep with a fan till today. It, at that time, that drowned that drowned it everything out. Oh, the like fan, little, yeah. and I still to this yeah, day yeah. I cannot sleep without a fan. But it started, it started because of fear. I was yeah. afraid to hear. You know, I couldn't hear with the fan. That that took everything out. So that's why I still to this day with a fan. So all right. So the last question would be, if you can talk to the younger you. If this is going to be a younger you five years ago. This could be a younger you last year. Mm-hmm. This could be a younger you in your teens. Mm-hmm. What would you say pertaining to fear? Like, like if you can go back and think, when I was 15, what was I most fearful of? And if I could talk to that 15-year-old me right now, have, you know, like a kneecap to kneecap, belly to belly conversation, and genuinely tell that person to maybe sm- make things a little bit smoother um, later on in life, wh- you know, what would that be? Or if you can think of that. Don't go to Chuck E. Cheese's. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a fantastic answer. It's a fantastic <laughs> knee-jerk reaction. What in the world? <laughs> that's hysterical. Uh, and it has, it has to do with fear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Keep it in the fear realm. I know. Fo- follow, for me, it was follow your gut. Yeah. Because there was always, I always had fear. I feared to do things because of either judgment um, or somebody's opinion of what, you know, what what they thought I, you know, what their opinion of me, you know, if I did said thing. But it would be just follow your gut. Because I always wanted to do stuff, but I was afraid to do it for whatever reason. I can't even yeah. tell you why, but I didn't. And sometimes I did stuff. Because I didn't want to, I didn't want to look back and say, "Oh, I should have did it." Yeah. But my gut told me, "Don't do it." So it was a constant back and forth. But there was a lot of times where I should have did a lot of things, listened to my gut, and like, you know, should have been man enough to do. I was afraid of the the consequences. Yeah. But your, yeah, for the most part, your gut doesn't necessarily lead you wrong. So I would tell myself to listen to your gut. Yeah, I mean, I I would I would actually say relatively the same thing. It's rough though for like a teenager because for some reason I went right back to teenage because you're so delicate because yeah. you're you're coming off of fantasies of you know whatever you thought of as a child mm-hmm. and then you're also smacked with reality of becoming an adult yeah. yeah and so you're stuck in this crappy stage of uncertainty mm-hmm. and and then people put so much pressure on you to become and make something of you um, at such a young age because we were do you want to go to school. Yes or no? Yeah. If you don't go to school, what kind of job are you going to get? If yeah. you're going to school, what are you going to major in? Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then don't pick a crappy major because then, you know, we're paying tens of thousands of dollars right. uh, or you're paying tens of thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. however it works out for you, um, for a nonsense degree that's not going to yield right. an income, you're not going to be successful. And then all of a sudden, you're like, you're 15, you're like, what? Yeah. Holy yeah. smokes. You don't understand that. you're, And plus, you're at that point, too, your, your world is high school, too, and yeah. or just grade school, and it's like... You know those relationships too, like dealing with all that stuff, and just you know, uh, what are my friends gonna be when I go to college, and it's like all kinds of crazy stuff. Go like, what's the word for it? invading your mind? Like, on the, like absolutely, and adds extra like layers of stuff that you probably weren't thinking of at that point when they're adding like, oh, finances and stuff. Like, I don't know what the heck that even is at that point. It's absolutely. funny because it's all thrown at you once, isn't it? Like, it's just here. You're now 17 years old. You're 18 years old. Figure out your life, and it's yeah. like the ball's dropped on you. Mm-hmm. Go. 
Yeah, because you, you have to pick what in college you want to do for the True. rest of your life, and you don't know. Well, and depending on your upbringing, I mean, a lot yeah. of it for us, and I'll speak to me specifically, but it was just thrown. Like, you need mm. to figure this out yeah. Yeah. now. And you had like three months to do it, and it was just like, uh. So, yeah, that was, that was a yeah, tough my, time. My parents were a no pressure, had a no pressure kind of system that they did but mm. it was like if you want to go it's it's up to you it's up to you it was on because they, they didn't go to college mm. um so they they both says like, we don't we can't we can only give you so much advice we're going to help you along the way we'll figure it out together but that's a decision you have to make because you don't want to come back and like you're paying tens of thousand dollars for your education and then you're like well mom and bop made me and yeah. it wasn't that it was a decision that you made um you want to go to school fine we're going to support you but Although that was a carefree way of doing it, that's still also a lot of pressure. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, and you're 16 at the time. I was 16 at the time. Where it was like, all right, you got to, you know. And I know that's just our family. There's, you know, people getting pressured at the age of 10. Yeah. I know that sounds crazy, but it's like, you can figure it out. You can figure it out yet. You want, what are you going to do? You want to be this? You're going to go this? What college? They have their college already picked out for them. They got everything picked out for them. You no, know, it's tough there is that you're making a decision with, with the thought of results only. Absolutely. With no nothing with no experience, no, you don't have no experience. experience, nothing of intrinsic values. You just here. This is what needs to happen. You're gonna spend all this money. You need to make money. Sure. So like, oh, you know what your thought process was totally changed. Talk about scary. And go back and think about that. Well, yeah. Well, a lot of times, depending on who was to- who was talking to you, that's was perceived as what successful is. Yeah. Because that's not what successful is. Right. You're just told and you're under this thing that that's what success is. I mean, I mean at least I was. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and I didn't know any better. Obviously, you're just coming from this little simple-minded, ignorant head yeah. thinking, I have to do this because that's what success right. is. But yeah. that's also what we're brainwashed with. Because, yeah, um, you know, not to be, you know, not to go in the whole cliche thing, but you can look up millions of people who are totally successful with and without education, yes. So it was—it's really an individual journey. But like you're six, like you said, you have no experience of getting burned in that sense. Well, we still had this cushion of our parents. Most of us had a cushion of our parents. Just uh, we still, you know, it was wasn't like full fledged survival. Yeah. We were still in this bubble. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. For me, I never had an experience that changed or shaped me in such a way where I knew. Or I was right. never put like in a situation. Like, yeah, like you know, your you know, your dad's a born sent to jail, you know, unjustly, and now you want to be a lawyer. Like there right. was nothing that happened that, to me. Yeah. It was just yeah, like yeah, yeah. you're a regular kid, man. Go to school and figure it out. Or you're just like wildly talented at a sport or something like that. Right, you're exactly. like you already knew. Right, right, right. But it also seems too like the the definition of success is changing dramatically by generation. Anyways, like yeah. what, you know, we ha- there is more True. options now in terms of how you can create success in your own way as opposed to, you know, all you was before nine to five jobs or, you know, you did make your own business. And now there's a lot more definitions within that with different realms and different dynamics that you can have, you can um, pursue in terms of different sure. areas and stuff now that even if it is something similar, it's still like a lot more a variety. In terms I, of what you I feel like the hippies are coming back. Like we got a, we got a, a generation of like hippies, you know, like peace, man, love and all that stuff. I don't think it'll be that. Yeah. It'll be, you know, their own the version. Contemporary version of that. Yeah, yeah, contemporary version of it. But I feel like things are just going to happen. And it's going to be great, man. Yeah. Um, people thinking for themselves again. Um, I feel yeah. like we got, once factories came into play, you got to think prior to that, I mean, people owned land and basically lived off their own yeah. land. Once people actually got jobs, 
Um, and then factories came into play. That's when this whole thing of being told, uh, you know, when to eat lunch, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm talking about a very general... I guess that's, that's going back like the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When that whole thing happened, I feel, I feel like... It, uh, careers and stuff started to come in because yeah. people didn't have necessarily careers unless you were like a doctor or something right. like that mm-hmm. um, or like a blacksmith and I don't even think they considered them careers I think they just that was like that a, was trade. a trade yeah. it was trade then and then things started to change because the world started to change so then the, they put factories together because mm-hmm. then this necessity of cars or well, this created necessity of cars were needed and house building and whatever it was and I felt like there was a more structured way of going through the system where you went, did this, did this, did this. That's how you, and then that's yeah. kind of what our grandparents and our parents came into this thing where you study hard, go to school, get a good job. But it was a systematic way where there's no real thinking involved. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about studying for a test. I'm talking about like creative thinking on what do you want to do for this world? Yeah. There's none of that. So when you're going to the hippie thing, it is, it really is there thinking individually yeah. independently thinking what was yeah. the last time you had an original thought yeah. that's a question you should ask yourself every day when was the last not something that you heard and now you're regurgitating because you heard it on the radio or you read it somewhere i'm talking about when was the last time you had an original thought that's when you get people who are inventors right yeah. uh, artists uh, you know whether it's music or you know whatever other you know field dancing or painting whatever that's that's kind of what you want to get your mindset into. It's, it's getting out of that fear of what everyone else is going to think. Talking to the 15-year-old me because I did and picked certain things because I thought that's what I, they wanted me to do. Or people wanted me to do, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And it was because the, because if I'm a failure, oh, man, that's that's gonna, that's what a waste, yeah. right? So then I would just I would say the same thing. It's like take off all that pressure and develop an original thought. What do you, what you're saying in your gut, actually want to do? Because people have made a success out of themselves out of the strangest things. Yeah. Sure. And out of various businesses or, you know, endeavors. So it has nothing to do with that. So, and I would say reframework what success means instead of going with the general description of what people think is, hey, go to school, get a good job, and you know, whatever whatever that is and just genuinely think for yourself and have an original thought yeah don't fear don't fear the results because some of us have have went through the process and done everything they told us to do and are still complete failures right. right that's sad that's that's actually worse than uh and then they're looking at you like man you didn't make it bud oh, but i did everything you guys told me to do yeah well there's right? even people out there who've gone through the system and made a lot of money but are still empty Mm. Still technically yeah. not fulfilled. Successed or yeah, because yeah. yeah. that's not success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, cool. So, with that being said, we are going to wrap up this episode with two quotes: one from Franklin D. Roosevelt, and the other by Charles Stanley. And the Franklin D. Roosevelt is a classic one we all heard before: "Is the only thing we have to fear is fear itself." And we kind of touched upon that with, you know, this made-up ideology and then the second one is fear stifles our thinking and actions it creates indecisiveness that results in stagnation i have known talented people who are procrastinate indefinitely rather than risk failure lost opportunities cause erosion of confidence 
and the downward spiral spiral begins. That is so sad, dude. That that like just made me sad. It did because it made me sad because that that one almost personifies what I talked about. Yeah, yeah. Charles kind of talking like to me. Kind of touched on a lot of that. Too. Right, right, right. Talking, talking that heavy stuff right there. All right, well, that wraps this up. Uh, this episode, number 24, Facing Fear. In this episode, we discussed our fears as kids and adults dealing with fear in our children and the advice of overcoming fear. We wrapped the episode up with quotes from Franklin D. Roosevelt and Charles Stanley. Thanks again for joining us. Guys, don't forget to visit the website, jimmyleevelez.com. Follow the blog. If you have any inquiries or questions you would like for us to answer on a future episode, uh, just email us at info at And on behalf of myself and the rest of the crew, we wish you massive success. And until next time, adios. The Rotated Views podcast was produced for self-development purposes. Thank you for the love and support. We truly do hope you enjoyed the views.